welcome to Basic Guys. My name is Carter Moore. Uh, yeah, I'm the guy that talks about poop in our small group. <laughs> I promise that's not all we talk about. Uh, but we're glad you're here. Um, I'm on staff at Orchard Hill Church, also Nazareth Lutheran Church, part of the Basic team, and uh, glad to be here. But let's pray real quick before we get started. Father, thanks for every person in this room, every soul, every ever-living, never-dying soul that's in this room. I pray that you would soften the hearts, open ears, open eyes, open minds to what it is you have to say tonight through your Holy Spirit. Please speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so week two, we're in this series called Identity. And uh, last week, Carla Chestnut kicked it off. She really nailed it, didn't she? Yeah. Um, she talked about this idea of being known, that we are all known by God before we even know our own names. Um, she reminded us that we are not what we have, we are not what we do, and we are especially not what other people say about us. We are children, beloved children of the Most High God. We are sons and daughters of the creator of everything. And that was a great place to start. Um, this week we're going to talk about the idea of being saved, salvation, and what does that look like. If you've been in the church or know a Christian, I have a feeling you've heard that word salvation or being saved. So we're going to unpack it a little bit tonight. Um, we're walking through the whole book of Ephesians during the series, and uh, we're not going to read every single verse in Ephesians over the next four weeks or the next three weeks. So I encourage you in your own time to pick up this um, Pick up your Bible and look in this letter. This is a letter that Paul wrote to a church. And uh, look at it with a lens of identity and ask yourself these, these questions. Um, and especially, who am I and who am I to God? So if you brought your Bible, you can go ahead and open it up. Um, Ephesians chapter 2 is what we're going to be reading out of. We're going to read the first 10 verses. If you didn't bring a Bible, that is totally fine. The words should be up on the screen behind me. So we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Once you were under God's curse, doomed forever for your sins. You went along with the crowd and were just like all the others, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air, who is at work right now in the hearts of those who are against the Lord. All of us used to be just as they are, our lives expressing the evil within us, doing every wicked thing that our passions or our evil thoughts might lead us into. We started out bad, being born with evil natures, and we're under God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were spiritually dead and doomed by our sins, he gave us back our lives again when he raised Christ from the dead. Only by his undeserved favor have we ever been saved and lifted us up from the grave into glory along with Christ, where we sit with him in the heavenly realms. All because of what Christ Jesus did. And now God can always point to us as examples of how very, very rich his kindness is, as shown in all he has done for us through Jesus Christ. Because of his kindness, you have been saved through trusting Christ. And even trusting is not of yourselves. It, too, is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good we have done. So none of us can take any credit for it. It is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. 
So Paul's main message here in these 10 verses is God saved you from death. It had nothing to do with you. You can't earn it. It's a gift from God. Now, some people in Christianity and religious circles and even outside of of Christianity see um, our faith as this exchange or um, if I do something, I get something. So they ask questions like, what prayer should I pray to be saved? Uh, What do I need to believe to be saved? Uh, How much money do I put in the offering plate? What sins can I eliminate on my own power in my life to inherit eternal life? How much do I have to go to church to get to heaven? Questions like this. And Paul's saying here in these 10 verses that that's bad theology. That's not how it works. And so um, I want to show you this video. I came across this last week. And it's a great video um, for many reasons. But it ties directly into what we're talking about here tonight. And I'll explain it after in a moment. So go ahead, Danny, go and roll that video. Hello, friends. I wanted to make this video to hopefully inspire you to do something that you didn't think was possible, um, like I'm going to do with this board here. And what you need to do is to uh, set up something you want to do, make a plan to go through with it, and then you, what, you have, what you have to do is make a plan of action, uh, follow through with it. You've got to believe in yourself. That's first, isn't it? Believe in yourself, formulate a plan of action, and follow through with it. What you have to do is believe in yourself, make a plan of action, and follow through with it. And if you believe you can do something, then you can. Like I can do with this board. myself enough. I'm going to try again. as much as did you catch did you catch that at the end did you hurt yourself it's my favorite part uh each time i watch it it gets better and i notice something new the last time i watched it i noticed that his hat said nails on it just thought that was ironic <laughs> uh it's great so what does it have to do with salvation um <laughs> There's no three-step plan for your salvation, okay? No matter how much you believe in yourself or try and do it on your own, make an action plan. You can't do the saving. Um, you can't crush the board of sin and death on your own. Jesus Christ 
is the only one that can do it. That's a gift from God. Now, here's another example of, of helping you see this idea of salvation, of being saved. When I was a young uh, boy, maybe six or seven, uh, we were out at George with State Park, and I was with my father and my brother, and my brother, uh, he's about three or four at the time, and we are on one of the lakes, and we walk out on, on the dock, and um, I just remember kind of turning my head, and all of a sudden, I hear a splash, and I turn around, and my little brother, I look down, and he's in the water, and he's slowly sinking in the water, okay, he's three or four years old, so no chance of swimming. And I see his face and his arms reaching out, and his face is sheer terror, right? And before I can know it, my dad is on the ground hanging over in the water, and he reaches down, and he pulls my brother up out of the water, literally saving him from death, pulling him out of certain death. That is what God does for each and every one of us. He reaches down through his son, Jesus Christ, he pulls us out of the water, death, sin, and he takes care of it. No matter how hard we try and swim, no matter what we try to yell underwater, it's not us. It has nothing to do with your efforts. Okay? It starts there. Uh, last week, Carla talked a little bit about um, Paul, who wrote this letter. Originally, Paul's name was Saul. And she talked about the story of Paul walking along a road, and he has an encounter with Jesus, and it, and it changes his life. Um, so much so that in Acts chapter 9, this is what the Lord says about Paul. He says this, Paul, this is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Paul's main method of proclaiming Jesus was this message I read in verses 1 through 10. 1 through 10. That salvation, it's not your guys' effort. God did it through his son, Jesus. And then Paul tells his story. In all these letters and all these encounters and all these encouragements to his disciples and his friends, he tells a story and he lives a life that shows change. And that's how people come to know Jesus. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. Some of you know it. I've shared it here a few times. Um, but you're going to have to listen to it again. It's my story, but it's part of God's story. Um, I'm a lot like Paul. I grew up in the church, and I persecuted Christians. I didn't kill any. I didn't drag them out of their homes and put them into prison. But I killed them with my words and actions. I just wasn't a good guy. In eighth grade, I smoked marijuana out of a pop can. Ninth grade, I started drinking alcohol. By the time I was in high school and a senior, every weekend, the whole weekend party. By the time I got to college, things were kind of spinning out of control. I started using drugs like cocaine, ecstasy, acid, continued to drink and smoke, chased after girls. I started gambling. Name it. Pretty much name it. I was doing it. Flunked out of college in one semester. 19 years old, I took a girl out on a date, if you can call it a date. Took her home. We had sex. We created a human being. So at 21 years old, I'm sitting in my apartment alone, and I have this <coughs> encounter with Jesus that no matter how many times I try to explain it, I cannot put it into words. But I have this Saul to Paul conversion. I have this encounter with Jesus, and it's like he's saying to me, 
You don't have to live like this. You don't have to live like this. Carter, you don't have to live like this. And for the first time in my life, I believe this message that Paul shares. I believe this truth about Jesus Christ. That he is the son of God. That he died on a cross. He was raised from the dead. And he offers me and you a new way to live. So I believe that message. I trusted in that message. And my life started to change. And it wasn't like this overnight deal. But things started changing my life, and especially how I saw the world and how I saw people. It's like I had a new set of glasses on. Suddenly I cared about things that I used to make fun of people for. Suddenly I had empathy where I shouldn't or didn't before. Suddenly I had compassion. It was terrible. I had all these feelings. And Sarah would call them, get the feels. Where is Sarah? She's probably got the feels right now. So I had all, <laughs> had all these emotions, uh, and it was weird. But it was, what was really great is I was, I was growing in my understanding of who I was, who God was, and what he was doing in the world. So my life started to change. And people saw that. People would ask questions like, hey, why are you happy all the time? Or why do you come up and talk to me and ask me how I'm doing? Why do you remember my name? Why is this important? And then that would give me a chance to share things like this, the good news about Jesus, the fact that I'm known, that they're known by God. And that's really the reason why I'm standing here today, because I trusted in that message. There's, if you go back in my life and ask me when I was 19, 20, 21 years old if I'd be standing in front of 300 college students telling, telling them about Jesus, <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. It's, it, no. So I'm living proof. Here's the deal, guys. God isn't interested in us playing church. He's interested in us being part of life change. He wants to change lives, okay? So what changed for me in my identity was that it became rooted in Jesus Christ. And when your identity is rooted in Christ, everything changes. And it's a right here, right now change. It's not, um, I think this, I trust this, and it's an exchange for something to come. It changes who you are right here, right now, and that kingdom of heaven is something you can participate in right here and right now. I'm going to read the last two verses, two verses of uh, Ephesians here that we read earlier, verses 9 and 10, chapter 2, to leave you with. Salvation is not a reward for the good we have done, so none of us can take any credit for it. It is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. God loves us. He sent his son Jesus to live a life of love, to die for us. He raised him from the dead, and he showed us that there's a new life because of it. And he blessed a broken world. That's the gospel, guys. That's the good news. That's the message of salvation. May you understand that Jesus paid it all. And may you remember that it's not what you do. It's about what's been done for you. 
And may you trust this message that Paul talks about. May you trust this message. May it change the way you live your life right here, right now. Amen. Please pray with me. Father, I give you thanks that you reached down and you pulled me out of certain death. I give you thanks that you sent your son Jesus, the most perfect plan that anyone could ever imagine and beyond, to save us, to rescue us from sin and death. Not because of anything we do or anything we did, just because you love us so much. I just pray that every person in this room tonight would understand that a little bit more. And maybe there's people in this room that they've heard this for the first time. I pray that you would speak to them in their hearts. I pray that they would take a step forward in faith and trust this message. There's people in this room who have believed this message at one point in their life, but maybe doesn't uh, have as much meaning anymore to them. I pray that you would take them back to that time when they believed. Help them take a step forward in faith. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.